0: about Hester Prynne and Miss Havisham and Edith Wharton's maddening, doomed Lily Bart. These were not inspiring portraits. Collectively, they suggested that women who remained unmarried, whether by choice or by accident, were destined to wear red letters or spend their lives dancing in unused wedding dresses or overdose on chloral hydrate. These characters might not have wed, but their lack of husbands constrained and defined them just as surely as marriage would have. They seemed to confirm Simone de Beauvoir's observation about real-life women, which I would also eventually uncover. That, by definition, we are married, or have been, or plan to be, or suffer from not being. By the time I was on the verge of becoming a woman, ready to leave home for college, nothing could have been more implausible to me than the notion of becoming wife to anyone anytime soon. By most accounts, marriage was coming to swallow me up in just a few short years, However, with my mind firmly absorbed by picking classes, worrying about roommates and keg parties, and finding a job near campus, nothing could have seemed less likely. At 18, I had never even had a serious boyfriend, and neither had any of my closest girlfriends. The people I knew who were my age in the early 1990s didn't really date. We hung out, hooked up, drank beer, smoked cigarettes, and pot, and some of us, but by no means all of us, had sex. Very few got into heavy romantic relationships. Sure, Perhaps I was just a misfit girl destined never to fall in love, a suspicion I logged many hours cultivating, let alone marry. But actually, I couldn't envision any of my girlfriends married anytime soon either. I was on the verge of tasting meaningful independence, of becoming myself. The notion that in a handful of years I might be ready, even eager, to enter a committed, legal, purportedly permanent relationship with a new family and a new home was patently absurd. Yet this was what had happened to practically every adult I knew in the generation before mine. Growing up in rural Maine, my mother had already had one serious boyfriend by the time she turned 18. Many of the women with whom she'd gone to high school were married or pregnant and on their way to getting married by the time she'd left for college. As an undergraduate in the early 1960s, my mother would serve as a student guide to Betty Friedan when she visited campus to discuss the feminine mystique. She would also go on to marry my father at 21, days after her graduation, before getting her master's and her PhD. My aunt, five years my mother's junior, had had a series of high school swains before meeting my uncle in college and marrying him at 24, also before getting her Ph.D. In this, my mother and aunt were not unusual. My friends' mothers, my mother's friends, my teachers—most of them had met their spouses when in their early 20s. Throughout America's history, the start of adult life for women, whatever else it may have been destined to include, had been typically marked by marriage. As long as there had been such records kept in the United States since the late 19th century, the median age of first marriage for women had fluctuated between 20 and 22. This had been the shape, pattern, and definition of female life. History suggested that beyond the kegs and term papers in my immediate future, perhaps even tied up with them, the weird possibility of marriage loomed. It loomed in part because there weren't very many appealing models of what other kinds of female life might take its place. A dramatic reversal. I began work on this book seventeen years after I went to college, in the weeks before getting married at the age of thirty five. Impending marriage did not, happily, feel like any sort of ending for me, but neither did it feel like a beginning. By the time I walked down the aisle, or rather into a judge's chambers, I had lived fourteen independent years, early adult years that my mother had spent married. I had made friends and fallen out with friends, had moved in and out of apartments had been hired, fired, promoted, and quit. I had had roommates I liked and roommates I didn't like, and I had lived on my own. I'd been on several forms of birth control and navigated a few serious medical questions. I'd paid my own bills and failed to pay my own bills. I'd fallen in love and fallen out of love and spent five consecutive years with Nary a fling. I'd learned my way around new neighborhoods, felt scared and felt completely at home. I'd been heartbroken, afraid, jubilant, and bored. I was a grown-up, a reasonably complicated person. I'd become that person not in the company of any one man, but alongside my friends, my family, my city, my work, and simply by myself. I was not alone. In fact, in 2009, the proportion of American women who were married dropped below 50%. And that median age of first marriage that had remained between 20 and 22 from 1890 to 1980? Today... The median age of first marriage for women is around 27, and much higher than that in many cities. By our mid 30s, half of my closest girlfriends remained unmarried. During the years in which I had come of age, American women.